Hello and welcome listeners to Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. One of the things I enjoy sharing most is client and patient stories about their experiences and the journeys that they go through in addiction, recovery, mental health, treatment, counseling. And today is going to be a story time type episode, but instead of focusing on client and patient stories as the main focus, there are two parables I want to share with you today that I've heard and use frequently while counseling those with substance use and mental health issues. So if you're a fan of hearing stories and using them to help you to understand or recognize something, this might be a good episode for you. As always, I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier, and we are going to dive right in. One of the things to mention at first is a parable is a a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And both of these parables that I'm going to share today are featured in my book, Addiction Recovery. These two parables that I'm going to share with you apparently come from Cherokee tradition. And I'll admit, I haven't spent you know, hours researching the origins, but whenever I have found it or come across them, they're identified as being Cherokee. I believe one of the stories is pretty commonly known, and the other parable is one I only found while teaching this curriculum at a program that I previously worked at, made a copy of it, and I've used it ever since, but it wasn't one that I've really ever heard of before. The first one, it's a very common one that I think most listeners are going to have heard before. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read the first parable, and we're going to talk about some learning points in relation to addiction recovery. The second one, I'm going to read something before it, go through the story, then read something else. And it'll make more sense when we get to it. But while I read the parables, think about how this applies to what we often talk about in relation to addiction recovery here on this podcast, but also in your life or or someone that you know. So the first parable is the story of the two wolves. And it's also been found under other names and titles, such as which one do you feed, grandfather tells, the wolves within, and a tale of two wolves is another one that I've seen it being called. This is the one that I think most people have heard of. It, it's shared a lot, and this is the one that is too, you know, rare to hear. So I'm going to read the story, and then we're going to talk about it. So an old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is angry, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather which wolf will win. The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. So how many of you have heard that before? 
I first heard this actually from a, a co-worker of mine a while ago who was sharing it about resentments. And we would do recovery programs where we would invite family members, you know, loved ones, and we would combine two of the treatment programs. And I worked at one, he worked at another. And he would always talk about how resentments is a big, you know, relapse killer, you know, it, uh, recovery killer because it leads to relapses. You don't address, you know, resentments. It can easily lead back to using. And he would always share this story. And I, I enjoyed presenting with him. We did it multiple times throughout a couple of years. And sure enough, he would share this one over and over again. So when we think about what this is, there's, there's a few important points I want to emphasize. The first one is acceptance. And what I love right away about this parable is recognizing that the two wolves are inside of us, accepting that we have the potential for both. We can have envy, we can have regret, we can have greed, and we can be resentful. We can also have joy, peace, hope, and love as well. Sometimes it seems as if we don't want to think about that within ourselves. We want to look at ourselves as either being, you know, the good or having the bad. And it, it's hard to recognize that we have both. You know, we don't want to recognize or accept that the wolf in us that can be resentful or angry or greedy. And denial can play a huge part of that. It's not easy to acknowledge, admit, and accept that both wolves live there. You know, it's not easy to look at and say, yeah, we can be filled with darkness and we can be filled with light. But that's really important as to what the story is sharing is that this is a fight that's going on inside everyone. And that's what the grandfather tells his grandson. So the first thing we got to do is accept that both are in there. They're both in us. This isn't a I have one and not the other. So the next thing we kind of want to look at is now that we know that we have both of those, what are the wolves? You know, we want to look at identifying those. And when you think about the two wolves, you know, what do you see? As described in the parable, you know, what comes to mind when you think of each different wolf? And there are a lot of ways you can really look at the two wolves. And what we talk about here on the podcast, we can see the one wolf as addiction and the other as recovery. You know, you can look at it when it comes to having a positive mindset or a negative mindset. You can even look at it in reference to, you know, the, the emotional side of things with, you know, they talk about regret, it talks about resentment, and it talks about like forgiveness. So it can even play on those two sides. So normally, it's two things that are going to be somewhat opposing, but they can also be very connected. So you can see why it's going to get complicated as to looking at which one you feed. So one thing you want to do is no, what are the wolves? What's the battle that's going inside of me? Different days, different situations, whatever's going on, that can be different. Your battle today might be a different battle tomorrow. 
You could have a battle this morning that's different than the battle you're having like later tonight. But what are the wolves? It's important to ask that question. Another thing we want to do is you want to focus on the feeding aspect. And at the end, the grandfather says, the one you feed. So you got to ask yourself, what are you feeding the wolves? What is it that is being fed to each wolf? Is it time? Is it energy? Is it money? Is it mental space? Is it emotional energy? You know, identifying the wolves is important. However, recognizing what you are feeding them is just as valuable. Because whichever one you feed, it's going to grow and get stronger. Whichever one you don't feed is going to get weaker. And and here's an example. You keep feeding yourself negative self-talk. Then the wolf filled with doubts, low self-esteem, and regret is going to grow and get stronger. When you do that, the positive self-talk is going to get weaker. So that's where when it's asked which wolf will win, it's the one you feed. But you got to pay attention to what you're feeding it. It's going to be harder for the positive self-talk to fight the negative self-talk when you are constantly feeding the negative self-talk. And if you are feeding it with all these thoughts that are negative or thoughts that are not good for your self-esteem, realizing that that's what you're feeding it, it's going to continue to grow. So you got to realize which wolf you are feeding and what you are feeding it. I think this is one of the most important things to look at next is accountability. This is something really important about this parable. Notice the grandfather's answer at the end. And this is so important. He says the one you feed. You. Not what other people are feeding it. Or what other people are doing. But what you feed it. This is where people need to take accountability as far as what's going on with their recovery. Like their mindset. The people they're associating with and so on and so forth. Both wolves will eat if you feed them. So I'm not even blaming the wolves. Wolves are going to eat. You want to feed your addiction? It'll eat. You want to feed your recovery? It will eat. You want to feed positive thinking? It will eat. You want to feed negative thinking? It will eat. Wolves are going to eat as long as you feed them. Your battles are based largely on what you feed them. It's not necessarily going to be what other people are feeding them. Because what people might give to you or what other sources might say to you is you taking that and giving it to one of those two wolves. But you're the one that feeds it. And that's one of the really important lessons that the grandfather says at the end is the one you feed. Now, I know this episode is about sharing these parables, but yes, there is a good client story that goes with this. And, you know, just because we're using parables doesn't mean I can't include a client story as it relates to 
kind of what we feed ourselves. So I had this guy who, while we were in, this was in the group uh, halfway house setting. He, he was a talker. Um, he was a used car salesman and he was, he talked and talked and talked and he was kind of one where, you know, the, the drug use is always going to be concerning, but I was more worried about the other behaviors of his that even when he stopped using would lead to using or leading to get in trouble, you know, with like the law again. And he was, he was fine in treatment. You know, he, he did good. You know, the thing that made it more difficult was he made his time in treatment harder than it had to be. You know, he threw out more challenges, more obstacles, more barriers, going against the grain, all this. But here's what comes into play. We were sitting in group and he was sitting to my left and it was this old chair kind of low sitting and I was I'm always at the front at the time on a whiteboard and, and doing group and for most of the time he would just feed other people BS you know he would tell people what they want to hear he would say the answers that um, he'd be sarcastic he would just like I said he was a talker and for the most part, I think people saw that. But what what he what he wasn't seeing was what he was feeding himself. You know, his way of thinking, his way of dealing with things, you know, his justifying, his rationalizing, all this kind of stuff. He was using that on other people, thinking that it wasn't a problem, not realizing what he was doing, you know, how that was impacting himself. So, one day, I'm not sure what happened. I can't think exactly what sparked it, but he was doing one of his usual kind of reactions in group and trying to feed the group, you know, a bunch of know-it-all answers and, and BS stuff. And the problem was he started trying to to argue something that he was arguing against previously. And the group kind of picked up on this. So all of a sudden, you know, he's sitting to my left. I remember this guy. He just just starts like kind of laughing. And 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 at first I'm kind of like, well what's 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 funny about this? And you kind of knew that he caught himself kind of being full of shit and he even said he caught himself he even said that you know he's he's just starts laughing and he goes man i can't even keep my own shit straight with everything that i'm feeding and we were talking about it and it, it turned into the thing about like him sometimes believing his own shit <laughs> and this is the language we would use and, and when i'm doing counseling and stuff like that, it's important to do that. So now all of a sudden we're getting this image that he's starting to be full of shit. He's BSing to other people. Now all of a sudden he's realizing he's kind of believing in himself. And now he's catching on to the fact that like he's kind of like eating his own shit, so to speak. 
So this is what he does. And this was why this story is amazing is he asked me because they didn't have any computer access at the time. He asked me if I could print him off a picture of a like clip art shit sandwich. So sure enough, um, I went to my office and found this easy clip art that was just, you know, a shit sandwich. And I printed it for him. And then next day comes and we, we come down to group and they all had treatment binders. And on the cover of the treatment binder, he inserted that picture of the shit sandwich clip art that I gave him. So going forward, anytime another group participant or I or or himself would recognize that that's what he's feeding himself, we would acknowledge that. You know, we would we would point to that or we would say, hey, what are you, what are you feeding yourself there? So it's a great story because it highlights exactly what we need to pay attention to is, you know, not only what we are feeding, but that we are the ones responsible for feeding it. And it's not as easy to see at times. Um, you know, nowadays it's a lot easier to say, you know, well, I saw this and I looked at this and someone told me this and I'm being influenced or I'm being, you know, and that, that does happen, but we can't take away from the fact that we are the most responsible person for what we are feeding ourselves in this example. So those are the big takeaways is, you know, acceptance that we have two wolves, you know, identifying what the wolves are, what are we feeding them and taking accountability for what we are feeding the wolves. If you're interested in learning more about this parable, I suggest checking out the podcast, the one you feed and it uses this parable, the two wolves, at, at battle within us as a jumping off point for meaningful discussions, you know, about how to live skillfully amidst life's inherent challenges. So each week on the podcast, you know, the show, the host talks about, you know, with experts, you know, scientists, researchers, spiritual teachers, public figures, and how you can act in a better, more fulfilling life and tools to how to do that. So I, I really encourage you to have a listen and explore more about the one you feed. The second parable is the snakes in our lives. And I'm going to, I'm actually, I have a copy of my book with me. And in the conclusion section of the book, there are two chapters. And the first chapter in that section is called final messages. And here I leave the reader with four very important messages about addiction and recovery. One of the messages is drugs and alcohol will always be drugs and alcohol. And I'm going to read this entire part of the chapter because that is where the snakes in our lives comes in. So I'm not going to share all the messages. If you want to know the other three, 
you'll have to get a copy of the book. But I am going to share with you this one because it, it relates directly to what we are talking about here. So this part is, you know, drugs and alcohol will always be drugs and alcohol. Let me ask a simple question. What is alcohol and drugs? To most people, they are substances. When indulged, they create a buzz or euphoria that is sought out. At the end of the day, it is still that substance. They find other means of handling life's problems and do not become dependent on the substance to do that. They find other ways of dealing with their emotions that have automatically returning to that escape or numbing feeling. For an individual with addiction, the alcohol and drugs become more than just mood-altering substances. They become a best friend, a lover, a support person, a confidence booster, a way to escape emotions, problem solvers, increase confidence when feeling low self-esteem, a method of decreasing anxiety or depression, part of fitting in among other people, or a euphoria that has never been experienced before. With an addiction, the alcohol and drugs have a new meaning. So when the thought of using enters the mind, there is a mental picture of alcohol and drugs and what it looks like, the substance, but almost instantaneously comes with it the desired effect, the meaning. The person with an addiction no longer sees it simply for a substance to indulge in, but the meaning they are desperately trying to achieve, and in doing so will almost give up everything in order to accomplish that. How do we change that? One method is to look at the reality of what the alcohol and drugs do. Even though someone uses to escape emotions, often the emotions become even worse as the effects have worn off. Even though someone uses to deal with boredom, getting arrested and spending time in jail is going to create additional boredom that is often amplified. This is a way of weighing out the cost benefits of using. Another method is to find alternatives by teaching coping skills and building resources. If someone is able to find what they need in alternative ways, it would eliminate the belief that only drugs and alcohol is capable of doing it. Now, the individual can problem solve with skills instead of using. The person can be social and build confidence without getting a high. They can learn to manage their emotions without having to escape. The third method I use with clients is almost like going back in time. I talk with them about remembering what alcohol and drugs was like before they even tried them. When they first discovered what it was or learned about it, what was it to them? At that point, it was simply the substance and nothing more than that. It was not a best friend, a lover, a way to solve problems, and so on and so forth. Alcohol and drugs were simply substances. Fast forward to where they are today, after attaching significant meaning to their addiction, and I remind them of how alcohol and drugs is capable of doing that because of the meaning they have attached to it. Not only is there the point of attaching meaning to substances, but a reminder that the substances are always going to do what they are and do what they do. To hammer this point, I often share the following story called The Snakes in Our Lives. So now here's the story. Many years ago, Indian braves would go away in solitude to prepare for manhood. One hiked into a beautiful valley, green with trees, bright with flowers. There, as he looked up at the surrounding mountains, he noticed one rugged peak capped with dazzling snow. I will test myself against that mountain, he thought. He put on his buffalo hide shirt, threw his blanket over his shoulders, and set out to climb the pinnacle. When he reached the top, he stood on the rim of the world. He could see it forever, and his heart swelled with pride. 
Then he heard a rustle at his feet. Looking down, he saw a snake. Before he could move, the snake spoke. I am about to die, said the snake. It is too cold for me up here, and there is no food. Put me under your shirt and take me down to the valley. No, said the youth, I know you're kind. You are a rattlesnake. If I pick you up, you will bite, and your bite will kill me. Not so, said the snake. I will treat you differently. If you do this for me, I will not harm you. The youth resisted a while, but this was a very persuasive snake. At last, the youth tucked it under his shirt and carried it down to the valley. There he laid laid it down gently. Suddenly the snake coiled, rattled, and left, biting him in the leg. But you promised, cried the youth. You knew what I was when you picked me up, said the snake as it slithered away. And now, wherever I go, I tell the story to young people who might be tempted by drugs. Remember the words of the snake. You knew what I was when you picked me up. So that's the end of the story. I'm going to continue with what I wrote in my book. While alcohol and drugs do go through some changes, deep down they are still simply substances. Whether it's naturally or chemically made, they are substances to be indulged. When indulged, they can cause mood-altering effects that can lead to a pleasurable state, which either creates euphoria or blocks out the negative aspects we don't want to face being abstinent. They are still only substances. When someone attaches meaning to it, then it becomes more than just physical compounds. In relation to the story about youth, he forgot the snake was a snake for a moment and thought it has changed and was different. That mistake in thinking the snake was anything but a snake cost that boy his life. In reality, I have clients who suffer the same fate believing that a return to alcohol and drug use was going to be different or have better outcomes than before. You are not unique and different to the point where alcohol and drugs are going to treat you differently. Do you really believe it is going to decide to spare your life compared to the others it has decided to kill? Do you believe there really is any kind of decision making or thought on the end of the alcohol and drugs? Absolutely not. Therefore, you are not special or unique in the sense it will be different or the addiction is going to treat you differently. If this is not your first time dealing with this battle, you know this all too well. You accepted that you cannot control it, only to think about being able to control it one more time. You told yourself you can have one drink or one more time using, only to think you can have just one more. You told yourself you are powerless over the drug, only to think that you could be stronger than it. You told yourself that the drugs that the drugs would kill you, only to see it as necessity in order to deal with your problems. At those very moments, you become the youth who picks up the snake. You know, with all the work and years I've been in substance use counseling, I have seen over and over again where people return to alcohol and drug use believing something is going to be different. And on so many levels, you know, whether it's different because of the outcome, different because of how bad it's going to get, how out of control, or how much they're going to use. But there is just this belief that things are going to be different. And, But just like wolves are going to eat and snakes are going to bite, alcohol and drugs are going to keep doing what alcohol and drugs do. It's not going to change for you because it cares about you or because you are special or different. 
it will treat you the same way it does everyone else. And when you are someone who has a substance use problem, alcohol and drugs will treat you in a way that can destroy your life. You know, when people go back to using and relapse, you know, even after some abstinence, I know they do not go back thinking they're going to go back to how it was destroying their lives. No, they have this idea that they can go back and only use one more time, that they can control it. It won't get as bad. They can manage it this time. It's going to be different. Here's, here's a real straightforward response to that is there aren't a lot of different outcomes with substance use and addiction. There aren't. So thinking or wishing it's going to be different often doesn't happen. So here's concluding here on both stories, okay? The two wolves. Except you have two wolves. Identify the you know what the wolves are. Pay attention to what you're feeding them. Take accountability for what you are feeding them and remember that wolves are going to eat. That's what wolves do. For the snakes in our lives, you know, alcohol and drugs will make promises they don't keep. They will tell you it's going to be different. You know, and they might not ba- break that promise right away, but at some point they will. In the end, alcohol and drugs are always going to do what alcohol and drugs has always done. Just like the snake that's biting. That bite can be fatal. You know, for some listeners, I don't have to convince you of that. You know, for some, you might not have experienced that yet. But the best way to avoid being bitten by a snake is to not pick it up. So, remember the parables about the two wolves and the snakes in our lives. You know, go back and listen to them again. You know, hear them or look them up and you can read them. They're very valuable parables in relation to addiction recovery. They are powerful and insightful into actions we need to take and what we need to do to avoid in order to keep our sobriety and recovery alive and and keep the addiction at bay and away from us. Last thing I want to encourage you to do is share these stories with someone you think could benefit by listening or reading them. Someone that you think might be struggling in these areas and recommend they learn about the two wolves and the snakes in our lives. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something.